that Jesus sat down. So then when I couldn't stand to preach, I felt like I'd copy him. He wrote the Constitution while he was sitting down. The fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of Matthew is the Constitution of the Kingdom. And he wrote that while he was sitting down. He spoke it, rather, while he was sitting down. So I hope this morning my sitting will not bother you. Can you see me in the back? You don't need to see me, you just need to hear. I'm going to walk where angels dare to tread this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn to a book that there's only one book in the Bible like it. The Song of Solomon. We're turning to the Song of Solomon. Beginning to read with the fourth chapter, the first few verses. And while you're turning, as soon as you turn, look up at me. This book is not written to courting couples. Now come on, catch it without me explaining it. If you're just dating the Lord and see him once in a while, this is not your book. This book is written about the bride. It belongs to the bridal chamber. Now that doesn't seem to bless you, but I'm not going to worry about your amens because I brought my own. <laughs> Let me say to begin with, brideship is not an appointment. It is a relationship. I was not appointed to be Leroy's bride, not by my daddy or my mother. It was my choice. And if you'll get the statement I just said, it will free you from a lot of problems. Brideship is your choice. Rulership is going to be your choice. It's not going to be God's going to select some and not the others. The greatest thing God ever gave us was the power of choice. He chose us before the foundation of the world. But then we choose to be chosen. Then every step of the way, he calls and we choose. He calls and we choose. He calls 43 calls in the Bible for every one of us. There are 43 calls. Now, there may be more. But I found that many where he calls you and every step that you take with God and every encounter you have with God is the result of you responding to that call. If you say no, you don't get it. If you say yes, it's yours. That's why we keep singing, I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. Faithful is he that's called you, for he will do it. But you must respond to that call. And let me say again, bradship is 
your choice. You choose what relationship you want with Jesus. You can be just as close to him today as you choose to be. You can walk as far away from him to a certain degree as you choose. Your acquaintance with him is your choice. So there's a book in the Bible that's written in relationship to the bride. If that were written to single people, it would be pornography. And that's the reason carnal people can't teach it. That's the reason it's not a book to be taught for people to have sex life. It's a book that's taught for the bride, for her bridegroom eternally. So the Song of Solomon has several characters in it. It has in it not only the bride, but it has the daughters of Jerusalem, another group of women. They are a type of the church. When I say the church, I'm not talking about the born-again church. I'm talking about the church world. But in that church world, there's a little Shulamite girl whom people do not think too much about. They kind of think she's Lulu. She goes down to palm trees. She goes up at the grape orchard. She talks about his kisses. She invites him to lay between her breasts at night. She tells him his legs are like the towers of David. She doesn't talk the language of courting couples. She talks the language of the highest estate on earth. And that's what God made to begin with was the woman and man to be one. And I have news for you, when it's over, he's going to get it. We women are going to be back with our husbands, with our men, equal, not beneath. Now you're listening? In the book, there's the daughters of Jerusalem who are always poking at the Shulamite girl. They're saying, where is this beloved of yours? You're always talking about him. And she answers back, he's gone down to the lily bed. What's he gone down there for? He's gone to feed on his lilies. Come on. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you released me. Where is this beloved of yours? He's gone down to his fruit orchard. It's Sunday morning, and he's picking up fruit. Fruit of the Spirit, and trees that don't bear fruit, don't remain. So he's gone down to his trees, camphor trees, all, every one of these are loaded. Every word in it is loaded with an explanation of our Lord. Now, in this book is where you hear the cry, I want to see his face. In this book is where you hear, I want him. I want him. I want him to come to my house. And he said, I will come and knock at your door. But he doesn't knock with his fist. That's not a custom in the biblical days. 
The way they knocked was with his voice. He would stand at the door and speak loud enough to be heard. And if she wanted him to come in, she would come to the door and respond to his knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door and come, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. So we're going to watch this little Shulamite girl for a while who's running after him. Now this is one man you can run after. And the faster you run, the better it will be. Because he's been running after you long before you ever started. All right. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes. Thou hast dove's eyes. Within thy locks, thy hair is as block, flock of goats. They appear from Mount Gilead. Thy teeth are like the flock of sheep that are even shorn, which upon from the washing thereof, every one bear twins, and none is barren among them. Thy lips are like the threads of scarlet, and thy speech is comely. Thy temples are like the places of pomegranates with thy locks. Thy neck is like the tower of David, builded for armory, wherein thy hang a thousand bucklers and shields of mighty men. Thy two breasts are like the young rose that are twins, which feeds among the lilies. Until the day break and the shadows flee away, I will come to the mountains of myrrh, to the hills of frankincense, for thou art fair, my love, and there is no spot in thee. God has been seeking a relationship with his people ever since he first created them. He didn't make them to be presidents. When God made mankind, there was no churches to pastor. There were no mission fields to go to. There were no Bible colleges to be president of. There was no work to be done. There was no sinners to be saved. He made us to walk with us. He made us to fellowship with us. He made us in a close, close desire that we not only know him, that we be in his image. The Godhead decided before the foundation of the world that they would come and they would make us in their image. Their image, not just his, theirs. And when this is all over, we're going to be like the Godhead. We're going to be in the image of the Father, image of the Son, and image of the Holy Spirit. For God said he'd send Jesus, and Jesus would reveal the Father, and the Holy Spirit would come and reveal Jesus, and then they would introduce us to him, and we could have as much of them as we desire. Am I making sense? Now, I want to lift out a few words. Thine eyes 
are like the eyes of the dove. She didn't only say that about him. He turned and said it about her. Thine eyes are dove eyes. Thine eyes are dove eyes. In other words, I want to talk about fixed eyes, focused eyes, set on him. Now, I know it's been wonderful. It's been glorious to have seen the miracles. It's been wonderful, and it's still wonderful, to see God heal. I know what that was like. You know my testimony about for 35 years. I walked when I was supposed to be dead. Supposed to have been buried. I know the miracles are wonderful. We've loved a long time for his fruit and his gifts. But there's a cry coming in the church now that supersedes that. It doesn't destroy it, it doesn't negate it, but it puts it in proper relationship. And that cry in the church that's really walking with God is, I want to see you. I want to know you. I don't want to know just about you. I want to know you. And that cry has been from the beginning. You see, God never intended to build an earthly temple made by hand. I know there was a pattern in heaven drawn and Moses copied it. But that was provided after God made provision for the interruption that the devil was going to make in God's plans. For God's initial plan was to have a family in his image and in his character. Amen? And it was his intention to walk with us talk with us, and fellowship with us. And then he wanted a temple. He wanted children just like him. So in other words, let's go down and build the temple. We'll have a family, and we'll start with the Son of God. Now, I don't have time to go into that. I went into that in my class yesterday, how Jesus stepped in from the kenosis to become the sperm of God and into God went as the Son, and God brought forth his only begotten Son. And the same Holy Ghost that put that Son in Mary is the same one that came to your dead spirit and planted that Christ inside of you, and it's Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. His intention was never to be put in a Moses tabernacle. That is a provision he made when he knew man was going to choose to disobey him and was going to walk afar off. His intention was to build the temple, and he built it. He made a couple that he wanted to walk with. He made a couple he wanted to live in. He made a couple he wanted to pour into them not only his image, but his character. Had they not sinned, they would have had his wisdom, his righteousness, his holiness, his sanctification, and his power, which is his nature. He didn't give that to them when they were born. They had to choose that. But he made that couple for him to live in. Come on. 
and he was going to fill them with his very nature. They would reproduce children and children upon children. He would get families and there'd be no sin and he would build his temple. But the devil interrupted his plan and one day man walked up in the face of Moses and said, we don't want to hear from him anymore. We want you to go up on the mountain or go somewhere and build a tabernacle and you go in one day a year and find out what God has to say and come back and tell us because we don't want to be in his presence. And they're still saying that in a lot of places. They're saying, I'm going to get a prophecy. You didn't catch it. How come you can't hear? How come you have to run all over the country to get you what tells what somebody else said, tell you? God walked with that couple. I told you in the last conference, if you were there, that I just learned in the last year or so that God did not make us a tripartite being. I know the Bible says we are now, so listen carefully. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, the very God of peace, sanctify, and that's not sanctify, that sanctify you holy, body, soul, and spirit, which means you now are a tripartite being. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. But the Bible says when God created couple, he made them in his image, and he made man a living soul. He didn't make him a tripartite being, he made him a spirit. And put that spirit and wrapped it in human flesh. And one day he sent his own tabernacle again, wrapped in human flesh. That was Jesus. And he said, I am the temple. Then he said, I'm going to walk again on earth and wrap myself in human flesh. And I'm going to walk in my temple. But something's happened to my temple. I gave my temple a chance to make a choice, and they made the choice. And they chose to put me away. They chose to sin. And the day they sinned, a veil of flesh fell inside of mankind. And that veil of flesh separated us and gave us the soul that was fallen, a mind that was carnal, a will that was rebellious, and emotions that were warped, a spirit that was dead, and that's the way we were born. As a result of the fall, our temple was empty and he was not there. And in that veil, beyond that veil was a dead spirit. For God had said, the day you eat this fruit, you shall die. And the Bible said we were born in trespasses and sin, in dead in trespasses and sin. And so when you and I got here, our spirit was dead. The temple had no light in it. It had no life in it. And there was no worship going on in it, and God was not in his temple. Am I making sense? Yeah. 
And then there was a veil there that made the other part of us what we call the soul, what we call Adam's nature, what we call the carnal mind, that that didn't come from heaven and that that's not going back. I don't think you heard me. I said what was left was a veil, and the other side, this side of the veil, is us. That's what we chose. It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we were born, we were born with a rebellious will, a carnal mind, and warped emotions. No fellowship no relationship, and God couldn't walk with Adam and his wife then because he had walked with them, and don't tell me one day, I don't believe it. I think he walked a long time with them. I think he fellowshiped with them exactly to begin with to show us what he's going to do with us when there's no avail in us. Come on. And you hear in the church say, I want the veil split. I want the veil split. I want to see him, but he's behind the veil. We put him there. He's behind the veil. But God didn't make us that way. But we died, and our spirit was dead. But we came alive. But that veil was still left there. And we educated, and Sister Verna, Verna did such a wonderful job the other night telling about how we have educated that carnal mind. We run the world by the carnal mind. We run the church. By the carnal mind. And then we began to meet him and find him, and we found him from afar off, and we wanted his hand, and there's nothing wrong with his hand. Don't say that to me. His hand has touched me. I want his hand under my head. I want his arms around me, but I don't want to just get his benefits and not know him. Can you say Amen. One day I was singing, you've heard me share it before. I can come into the holy place. I can behold his face. And the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing out there? You don't belong back in Moses' tabernacle. Come on. That one is past. Hurry up, church, and come on with me. We're not living back under Moses' tabernacle. And we still try to lead our worship services by saying, let's come in the outer court, then come on in the holy place, and into the holy of holies. Honey, he lives in the holy of holies. Now, if you've not let him in, you may have to go back through the law. But if he lives in you, you're living under grace, and you're living under love, and you don't have to go back through Moses' tabernacle. He didn't intend to be put in Moses' tabernacle. 
that was for the redemption of those who didn't want him, but he was determined he was going to have them if he had to build a tabernacle for them to cry out for him. He's not in David's tabernacle, not even that old tent. He's not in Zerubbabel's tabernacle. He was, but that has passed. And on the day of the crucifixion, when his temple came, he took his hands from the top of heaven and ripped the temple, the veil in the temple, and said, come, my beloved, come, my beloved, come, my beloved. You say, but I missed it. I missed it. I missed your righteousness and your wisdom, your holiness. I got your image, but I didn't get, but we lost that and had to have that restored. And God had to cut out his own image, Jesus, and send him and put him back in us to get the image back, but we didn't get his nature. And honey, we're not going home not like our daddy. We're going to be like him, mind, will, and emotions, and he's going to work on us until he gets it done. But I have news for you. When he moves into the temple and starts splitting the veil, you're going to be pleasantly surprised that he sent you what Adam didn't get. For Jesus was made unto us wisdom, righteousness, holiness, sanctification. And the last Adam brought us what the first Adam didn't get. But if we don't get close enough, we don't get it. I'm about to get blessed, and that's dangerous. <laughs> when Jesus moved into your spirit, you held on to that out of court. In there is your carnal mind. But he's not satisfied. He bought the temple. And he's building the temple. And he's not going to take that junk back home. So when he sends the Holy Ghost, one of the first things I think you see is written on the outside of your house, I'm having a garage sale. She's collected things she thinks are precious. She's collected her own opinion, her own education. She's got treasures she doesn't want to give up. But as he walks through, he said, they don't fit. They don't match. And I am going to send the sweeping breath of the Holy Spirit. Plus last night's message, when he gets through with it, it'll be a pile of ashes. He's going to clean up that other part, and he's going to split that veil. I wish I could say instantly, but honey, I can't tell you that. It's only as you desire him. 
and to the degree that you want him, you can have him. When you run after him, till you do what she does, when she says, I'm going to find out where he feeds the sheep. I'm going to find out where he is. And they tell her, if you want to know where he is, go where he's feeding the sheep. And you'll find him there, and he'll be able to feed you. And he'll feed you on food that tastes like no food, honey out of the rock. He'll take camphor from the trees, and if you don't understand it, well, I just have to send you my manual, I guess. He'll take you to the pomegranate trees, and he starts feeding you. First thing you know, you're going to say, my frigidaire needs cleaning out. My closet needs cleaning. He said, that won't fit anymore. I brought my own robe of righteousness. <laughs> and the funny thing is, he's not going to stop till he gets to your clothes closet. Because your righteousness won't stand in the presence of his omnipotent holiness. So he said, when I've come, I've brought the garment. I brought a robe of righteousness. I'll also have a wedding garment provide for you. Don't believe it? Read the 45th Psalm. Then turn over to the 47th Psalm and listen to him when he says, the bride will be there. The queen will be there, and she'll be dressed in white, bridal white, but she won't stay in bridal white. That's for the wedding day. You think you're going to spend all eternity wearing a wedding gown? I have news for you. You have a robe made out of the same material he has. Your robe doesn't have as big of insignias on it. Your robe doesn't have as big emblems on it. But when he presents you, not as the bride, but as the queen, to sit with him on his throne, you won't stand in a white dress. You'll stand in a dress just like his, made by the same pattern, not as big as his, not as majestic as his, but your design will be just like his, and he will present you because the wedding took place in secret. He'll present you before the throne and one day he'll take the bride and read it in the Psalms. Read it when he said the bride will be there, but the queen will be there and she will have made herself ready with needlework and needles hurt. I said, needles hurt. Oh, I love pretty crochet. I love pretty tatting, but I don't have the grace and the patience and the know-all to know how to sit down and put those needles through all those threads. But I got hold of someone one day who knows how to needlework. And he said, to do that, you don't run after my gifts. 
I brought my gifts with me. You don't have to run after the gifts. Read the 24th chapter of Genesis. When the servant leaves home, having put his hand in the Abraham's hip and took an entheistic covenant that he wouldn't be back till he brought the bride home. The father gave him gifts to show the bride so the bride would know what her bridegroom looked like. The gifts were not just for you, they were to tell you who he is. Come on. The gifts were to show you who he is. If you don't believe it, ride the journey on the camel's back. Get on the camel's back and start with him, and he'll start pulling out gifts. And every one of those gifts will show you a little bit about him. But you haven't seen him yet, because you've got to ride the camels, and camels aren't easy to ride. Camels are trials and tests, but the camels are coming. I said the camels are coming. The bride is on the way home. But until she gets close enough, she keeps looking at the gifts. But one day she gets close enough to look in the shadows and she sees a shadow of somebody she's never seen before. And she says, is that my beloved? Is that the one I'm to meet? And her guide, the Holy Spirit says, that is he. And then he puts up the gifts or lays them aside. She can use them if she needs them. But she's not now as interested in what he brought as where he's going to bring her. She's coming with a cry. I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him. Now, I'm going to do something this morning I have asked permission to do. I went to the one that they have put as the administrator over us and said, am I allowed to be a mother? Am I allowed to say what I believe God wants me to say to the body? I tremble as I do this. I Verna, pray for me. There's a tremendous confusion coming to the body of Christ now because we've started to run after him. And the enemy doesn't want us to get there. And he wants us to stop short of getting to where he is. And he's got us running after where he's been or where we think he's been and missing him. Now, I'm not going to offend you. If you do, you're going to have to pray through because you can't afford to be offended. I love you. I love you. And don't you dare say, I don't believe in what I'm going to say. I believe in the gold dust. I believe in filled teeth, but they are not him. And all over this country, they're saying, I've got gold dust on me. Well, I've had it on me too. I didn't ask for it, but
but I didn't look down and say, that's Jesus. We were worshiping when it happened. Are you listening to me? We've got people who are leaving their home churches and flying to certain places and running after people who are supposed to have a special anointing of straw and gold dust, and they say, he is here. And you look at the gold dust and say, he's here. Well, honey, gold dust is not he, he's gold. We've got them leaving their churches and run into certain camp meetings to run after somebody that can strow gold dust. They don't strow it. It falls from their hair. But it's a sign, I think, maybe the angels are sweeping up the streets where we've all danced so much on. I don't care what it is, but my assistant administrator and I were in Dallas a few weeks ago, and I was speaking at the Inhand Maidens Conference. And we moved in in the highest dimension of worship I think I've ever walked in, but it had been prayed in. It had been prayed in for months and months and months by 800 people or more. We walked in at an epitome of worship. I was in the third service, I think, as the speaker. When the worship started, we didn't have to come down here and come up. We went in there, and we immediately got into his presence, and we got lost, beholding him. And about that time, I looked at my administrator, and she was lost in God. She was worshiping, and somebody was punching her. Gold dust is on you. Gold dust is on you. She said, it's all right. That's when I learned there's a vast difference between this and this. You'll have to forgive me, but I've walked too long to see you do that. Women of the Word are not running after people who can bring gold dust. I don't doubt it's from God, but if it's there, it's to call your attention to something besides gold dust. He is gold himself. He is gold himself. He is God. He is God. He is God. He is God. Go after him. Go after him. Go after him. Go after him. Don't go after the dust. Don't go after the oil. The Holy Ghost has the oil inside of you. I'm crying out from the bottom of my soul this morning. I was teaching in the CLST, just a college class. And they came up and told me afterwards, did you know that gold dust fell on some of our books? Well, I was so glad it didn't interrupt my class. 
And I said, no. And the next morning I came back. It was out around my book table. That's wonderful, but I want to hear the book. Now, I'm not saying one word against it, but I'm telling you, don't get sidetracked. Don't get your eyes on somebody else. You have dove's eyes. He said, my bride has fixed eyes. My bride has dove's eyes. Now, we love the eagle. I love to preach about the eagle. The eagle can spread his wings and can soar. And the eagles can see left and right. They can see further and higher and deeper than any other creature that God ever created. They're the only thing that God ever created that when the storm comes, they fly right straight into the storm. And when they get shot at, they don't run from it. They run straight into the sun. They're the only one that God created that can go right into the presence of the sun, the S-U-N, and not be blinking an eye. But they have wings and eyes that can look this way and look this way. But dove does not have that kind of eyes. Dove has no peripheral vision. A dove sees only one way. A dove has focused eyes. Mine eyes are fixed. My ears are tuned. My heart cries out. This is the sound of the bride. Then about that time, he knocks because she wants him. But he doesn't do this. He does it with this. He calls. And she runs to the door. And she says, come in. He said, if you'll open, I'll come in and sup with you. And you with me. I know that bypasses all the gold dust. Let them keep the dust. We found him. We're not going where he's been. We're going where he is. And we're going where he's going to stay forever. But we're going home with him. Now don't you dare go out of here and say, I spoke against it. Don't you say, I spoke against the oil. Honey, I prayed long enough for the oil to take out the squeaks, the squawks, and the squeals in the church to say anything against it. The oil will take out all this. It'll bend your elbows. It'll bend your knees. It'll take out all your scars. It'll cause the fire to burn. But you're not running after the oil. He brought the oil. You're running after God. You're going to be made in their image. You're going to be restored in their image. If you believe in restoration, open the door. And then you can speak a language like this. Kiss me with your kisses. And I wondered a long time what that meant till one day he told me, watch me, kiss me. With your kisses. That tells me he loves me. 
kiss me with your kisses. Let me lay my head on your bosom. He said, let me lay mine between your breast. For your breast is full. In fact, it's too full. You've got some baby sisters that don't have any milk. Their mother's dead. And will you be a surrogate mother? No, closer than that. Will you give them part of your life? Will you bring them to your bosom? Will you mentor them and nurture them? I heard that years ago. Right after I got the baptism, I was sitting across the table at breakfast one morning. When the man who helped me know what revelation was looked and said to his wife, she reminds me of a Jersey cow. And I thought that was an insult. How would you have felt? A little dignified theological professor sitting across the table and that Pentecostal preacher looking at you saying, you remind me of a Jersey cow. And he saw my expression. He said, I better explain it. <laughs> I said, I'd appreciate it if you would. <clears throat> he said, you've got so much milk you can't contain it. But out there, you're going to run across a lot of sisters who don't have any mother to feed them. Will you nurse them? And I went to my room and said, yes. Our mother, he or she, if you will put the milk in. He said, you feed on me and the milk will come. Then he said, when that milk is that full, I lay my head between your breasts during the night and I'll speak my words of love to you. Oh, I was going to teach so much <clears throat> from the Song of Solomon this morning. But I don't deny it. I don't apologize for it. I left home knowing that I had a mandate that I was to speak to these women this morning and say to you, we are in revival. It's just beginning. We've heard a lot of terms We've heard revival, we've heard laughter, and God knows we needed that. We've griped long enough. We've heard the river is here, and it is, but the flood is not yet. But just about the time we all begin to want to get hungry enough to see him, here comes the sidetracks. Here comes somebody that wants to divert our attention to them from him. Get your eyes off of people. Thank him for the gold dust, then forget it. 
That's an evidence he's been there. But it should be that that's to point you that there's somebody better than gold dust itself. So don't get on the train and the plane and run here to get this and run here to get this, run here to get this, and then go back to your pastor and say, how come our church don't have it? And don't be egotistic enough to think you got enough to go back and take it to your church and change your church. The only, the only thing you're going to change your church with is to be anointed and freighted with the power of the Holy Ghost and have living seed within you and be pregnant with the word. And when you open your mouth, he'll life you and you'll life them and you'll drop seed and you won't even know you've got children until after you're about 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, they'll begin to come up and say, Mother Pickett, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you said something one day, and that word was life, and it changed my life. That's better than gold dust. Listen to him. I want thick stars. He's calling for fixed eyes fastened on him, crying out, I want to see you. I want to know you. The gifts have been part of the journey, but the bride is being called. And we're hearing the words, the camels are coming. The bride is getting close enough to begin to respond to his call. Here comes the bride. And he'll say, I'm getting ready to make her garment, but she's going to make it in needlework. And our presenter has the queen. Why? Look at me. Because she had fixed eyes. Her dye eyes were like doves. Give it to him. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'd like to have our leadership, if you'd come up here real quick, our leadership, all of our speakers. Just remain standing for a moment and extend your hand in this direction. I'd like for you to extend your hand toward Fuchsia as we pray for her this morning and lift her before your throne. Ask Marianne if she would come and let's just bless our sister this morning. Father, we thank you for forerunners. 
those who see before we can see, those who embrace before we embrace, those who hear before we hear, those who instruct before we even know that the instruction is necessary. We thank you for forerunners that go before us, Lord, to open the book and proclaim the glory of the Lord. Father, tonight as we stood and saw Fuchsia and then again this morning, Lord, as we look upon her, we know that she is a forerunner. And Lord, we thank you for mothers of Zion and forerunners. And Father, we thank you that when we were young and we did not have milk in our breasts, there were those who beckoned us to come and, and nestle into the breast of, uh, of, uh, of their very being, Lord, and nurture ourselves from the very sincerity of the milk of the word when we did not even know how to purchase it for ourselves. And Father, we rejoice there are many of us in this room this morning that have nursed from this mother's breast. And Father, we thank you for the sincerity of the milk of the word that strengthens us, O oh God, and encourages us. And now, Father, we stand upon your word prophetically this morning that the latter house will be greater than the former house. And Father, that the latter rain will be more full than the former rain. And Father, we pray that the latter house will be filled with your glory that it will drive out everything contrary to you, Lord, yes. and that the fullness yes. of you will yes. dwell in this Your house, and that the latter rain will fall, O oh God, and that it will cause this one to go forth triumphantly and victorious. Father, we just agree right now in Jesus' name that the word would become healing to Fuchsia, Lord, that, oh God, you would activate the word and Jehovah Rapha would come, oh Lord. And God would begin to bring strength to this body. And that, Father, she would cross over the finish line victorious. That she would cross over the finish line with strength. That she would cross over the finish line with joy. That she would cross over the finish line with such victory, God, that we who are running behind her would begin to declare all things are possible to them that believe. And Father, we thank you as we bless her today. And we ask that the blessings of our God overtake her and run through her and for her and to her and in her, O oh Lord, and that, God, we will look and declare truly this is a blessed mother of Zion. And the saints said, in Jesus' name, amen, amen and amen.